watching Impact Radio, informative conversation by coaches for coaches with Frankie Dorn and Terry Hayes. A shopping trip, keeping an appointment, paying the monthly bills for a person with attention deficit disorder or ADD. Many of the things the average person takes for granted can be anything but. ADD and ADHD are not just childhood trauma, but the bane of many adults as well. Frankie and Terry welcome coach Teresa Jones to the program as we discuss coaching those with this potentially debilitating disorder. Hello there, ladies. Hello, Vince. Yes, indeed. Hi, Vince. Hi. I'm very excited for our conversation today because uh, I am currently sitting across the desk from someone who is right in this market and have a and have a daughter in this demographic. So I cannot wait. I, I didn't have to look up anything to write that intro. <laughs> I simply wrote it from my own history. <laughs> so, Frankie, dive well, in and great. where to you start. Know what? Yeah, the, the, you know what? This is a pretty common disorder, and I think maybe we should start. Um, Teresa, just by finding out what what is it, what is ADHD and what is ADD, can you just kind of give us the top line? Well, the top line and the short answer is that ADD or ADHD, as it's now, now that's the preferred uh, way of talking about it, is a neurological disorder that involves the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And it's often, this part of the brain is referred to as the executive functioning of the brain. So people who have this challenge, um, what specifically, what happens? Well, when we talk about executive functioning, uh, we're referring to the place where decisions about how we manage our time and attention um, are handled. And, and it's the place where we're able to multitask or switch from one task and to another and then back again without losing focus on a task. Um, and these functions are all in the prefrontal cortex, which helps us plan, organize, implement tasks in an orderly fashion. And it's also where our brakes are located. And by that, I mean that it helps us realize uh, that we shouldn't say something that just went through our minds or that certain behaviors are risky and should be avoided. And it's also uh, responsible for helping us learn from past mistakes. So, um, you know, it impacts us a great deal in that way with impulsivity, you know, blurting out things that you probably would be better off keeping to yourself. Um, and the, the really uh, bad part about it is not learning from past mistakes. So, um, mm -hmm. so, so I think that that's a pretty, pretty short definition or, or you know, um, intro to what actually happens with the ADHD brain. You know, I, something that's interesting, though, Frankie, is that they uh, have done PET scans with the individuals with ADHD, and so a lot of people, you know, dispute the fact that it even exists, and it's crazy because the PET scans show absolutely that it exists because when um, they do the PET scans and they and try and gauge the executive functioning of the brain, it doesn't light up in persons with ADHD the way it does in persons without ADHD. And then once on medication, that those centers start to light up. So, mm. and, and I, for one, okay. took a test, and I passed with flying colors, and the doctors told me, <laughs> I have ADD. I don't, I don't know if passing with flying colors is what you should call that, doing that test, but uh, that's what I did. Right. Well, a lot of people have ADD, and there are a lot of adults that are out there that are struggling, you know, just to get by. I mean, 
um, they spend an inordinate amount of time preparing and going over and over and over things just so that they can, um, you know, function in the, their jobs and in their world without uh, too much difficulty. But that's that's kind of crazy, and they don't have to do that because in coaching, uh, we do have strategies to help them with that. Well, that that's actually a perfect lead-in to kind of a two-step question that I have. So um, if you don't have special training to work with clients who have ADHD, would you think that they are uncoachable? Would you think that they are just not getting it? Like, and, you know, it's really challenging for you to coach them? This is if you didn't have any training and didn't have any background or understanding of the disorder. Is that a fair yes. statement? That That is a okay. fair statement, and I think... Uh, that goes back to what happens to uh, these people many times in elementary school, junior high, you know, all the way up through high school and college. Um, they're labeled as, you know, as slackers and they don't pay attention and, and they, you know, they're, they're troublemakers or that's the way they're labeled. Either that or they're labeled as dreamers, you know, and that's more common in the female population where they're just spacey and sort of looking out the window and not clued into what's going on. And if you don't know anything about ADHD, then you would think that they're just not paying attention that they're just not mm-hmm. coachable, that they just can't, you know, be in a classroom or on a job. Um, and one of the worst things that have happened, I think, in recent years is the the cubicles that we've started putting people in. Um, well, not so recent years, quite a few years now, but I've had many clients who simply can't function well in a cubicle because there are too many distractors out there. Hmm. Interesting. Well, the, the second part of my question, so if, you know, most coaches who don't have specific ADHD training um, think that their client is, is not coachable, um, what is it about the training that helps the coach really be able to be effective when coaching an ADHD client? What are some of the things that is important for them to understand? Well, the first thing that it's important for them to understand or to notice is, uh, is it possible that this client has ADHD? And it's possible the client doesn't even know, has never been diagnosed. And so um, then you would um, go down a path, and all of that would depend on the client and the conversation that you were having, you know, to find out whether this could be a possibility and whether or not the client is open to exploring whether or not this is a possibility. And some are and some are not. Some are, you know, they just have uh, old tapes in their head that tell them that ADHD is is somehow... um, I don't know, there are lots of myths out there about ADHD, about it not being real or, um, you know, that people are just wanting medication or it's a behavioral problem or this kind of thing, so they absolutely don't want that label. But there are others who are open to it because they've struggled for so long and they, they've they not known why. They've not known why, what is it about, you know, Susan over there that she can get things done and I can't. And I work, you know, twice as hard as Susan does. So what's up with that? So the very first benefit that coaches, all coaches, regardless of whether they coach ADHD, but in any other area as well, need to know is, you know, to recognize that there's a possibility this could be ADHD and then get permission to explore that. And then further on down the road, let's say that, that it's, you know, it's 
it's decided that they do have ADHD. And by decided, I don't mean the coach decides. The client goes to the appropriate uh, professionals and gets diagnosed and, and, you know, all of that. But when it's decided that they do have ADHD and they, um, they want to start down that road, then the coach who's trained to deal with ADHD issues will know that uh, you need to break things down. It's called chunking down a lot of things for these clients because uh, you give them, uh, well, let's give, I'll give you this example. If you are in a grocery store and you say, would you go get the, a can of tomatoes, uh, some, a pound of bacon, and some sugar? They'll come back with the sugar. You know, they will not remember probably the first two things that you said. They'll remember the last thing that you said. That's not because they're not paying attention. That's because it's just the way their ADHD brain works. So as a coach, when you realize that, then you realize that you have to write things down. You have to send them, you know, like like after you get off your uh, call, then you send them notes that say, this is what we talked about, and these are the steps that you said that you would take. Now, further on down the road with my clients, I turn that job over to them. Not at first. At first, I do the work, and I send them the notes. And, but as they move through coaching, because they have to exist in a world who's not always going to accommodate them that way, then I ask them to start taking notes. But at first, I need to give them a model for how to do that. They don't know how to do that. Is that more than you wanted to know? <laughs> no, that's that's really helpful. And I also self-diagnosed myself. <laughs> oh, you did. All I remembered was all I remembered was the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is Terry. Let me ju- let me jump in with something real quick because. Um, so this is something I have noticed. Yes, there are definitely still those groups out there that are naysayers and say, oh, this doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. then there are other folks, I think, that have gone too far the other direction. I think we hear it more and more all the time now where someone will say, oh, you know, I'm a little I'm a little ADD, I'm a little ADHD. And then they'll just keep talking as if that's some sort of a, a label that they just want to carry to kind of uh, explain or rationalize certain behaviors or certain struggles they're having. And I've noticed that with clients and I I always kind of stop and go, is that your self-diagnosis or have you actually taken the time to find out if that's real? And they, oh, no, no, it's just my self-diagnosis. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, well, so, you're, you're right, Terry. That does happen frequently. And, you know, we could spend the next hour talking about that because I could really get up on my soapbox about that. That as well as bipolar disorder, same thing. People, it's just something they throw around. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm bipolar, and that, that's supposed to excuse them for being in a bad mood and taking it out on you, you know. And uh, so that really aggravates me. Yeah. <clears throat> and what it does, and the reason it aggravates me, is that it takes away um, the legitimacy of the Uh, actual diagnosis itself of ADHD. So suddenly now uh, we have a group of people who use it offhandedly like it's no big deal and like, you know, everybody has it. And I I had another ADD moment, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it never should be taken that way. So um, yeah, that aggravates me a lot. And I'm glad that you asked them. Uh, Be careful how you ask them though, because um, if they truly do have ADHD, you don't want to shame them. Right. You know, oh, no, absolutely. Them, you know, has it, has it been diagnosed? And uh, no. Well, do you think that maybe you ought to see a physician and get that diagnosed? Or, you know, you could, I even have self quick, te- you know, just quick self tests 
that they could take that would give them a general idea, and then they could take that with them to the doctor. Well, and I think that that's what a lot of folks are doing, to be honest, is if they're, you know, they're curious. They've no, they've noticed some behavior patterns in their lives, mm-hmm. some recurring result patterns, and so they go and they take a self-test, and they take maybe two or three self-tests, and they go, yep, I've got it. Like, and that's the, that they kind of take that on, and then they show up and, and they're using it as, you know, oh, this is what's happening. Like you said, the ADD moment. And so my question is, is, you know, if we're going to be working together, this if this is a, um, a filter through which all of our strategies and all of our conversations need to pass through, then wouldn't it make sense for us to really be very, very clear about what that filter actually is? Like, how can we get some support and some extra information around this? Because I think it, like you with the soapbox, I think it's actually... Um, very, very troubling to take it too lightly, as as well as it is, I'm sure, to go the other direction and get, you know, too totally focused on it. But uh, I definitely have noticed more of that light end these days. I've noticed a lot of that as well. And um, yes, I think that the key here is the self-tests are great, but they are never meant to stand alone. They are something that you can take with you to go and check it out with, you know, usually depending on your insurance, you may start with your, your, your primary care physician or, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually I would like for, for my clients to see a psychiatrist. And that always scares people. Doesn't that mean I'm crazy? No. Psychiatrists are, that's their specialty, the brain and how it works and how it's wired and how medication works for the brain is their specialty. So I I really don't, I'm not too much in favor of somebody taking a self-test to their primary care physician, the primary care uh, physician prescribing medications and them making the assumption uh, that's not their field of expertise. So I, I always recommend a psychiatrist. I happened to be very lucky at the time when uh, when I went to my doctor, my physician, and said, I think I'm going insane because now AAA won't even come out and get the keys out of my car anymore. I've done it so many times. <laughs> I actually hit the limit. And uh, my doctor said, you know, this sounds a little like ADD. I don't know a lot about this, but it just so happens I was at UCLA at the time. He said, I just read that they're doing some uh, drug trials, some testing. Let me give you a referral and I went right to the source of people who were specifically yeah. looking for it, looking for people who had it, and uh, put me through all the te- all the proper tests. And I was working with a psychiatrist, and uh, uh, I was I was diagnosed properly. Mm-hmm. And, and after after thirty eight years, <laughs> I was I was very mm-hmm. happy to finally uh, reach a point where I understood some of the things that were going on in my life. That's right, and. Um... Just to make it clear, I mean, we sometimes we have to back off just for, you know, somebody, you know, you may not be able to get a, an appointment. And if the coaching is just not working right now because we're, we don't know how to approach it, then you might have to back off and say, what, after you get your testing done, you know, let's get back together. <clears throat> because you, the last thing you want to do is keep a client hanging on, doing more or less nothing that's going to be beneficial because, uh, they may decide coaching doesn't work, and it's not that mm-hmm. coaching doesn't work. It's that we had, like Terry said, we have to look at it through this filter. And if you're not trained, then you know if you're trained, you could go ahead and start looking at it through this filter, and it's certainly not going to hurt anything. But if you're not trained, then and you just kind of 
the the sessions just kind of take on a life of their own and really don't accomplish much, then that could really turn them against coaching for good, and that's not what we want. And if the coach is not even aware that this mm-hmm. is an issue, it sets up the client for failure, and the coach feels like a failure. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it and it also triggers that shame in the client again. And believe yeah. me, they're carrying around a lot of shame already. You know, I think one of the things for me, and, and Teresa, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, is, you know, Vince Vince was kind of relaying his story, and uh, he was 38 years old when it, it reached a real significant trouble spot, and the, the impetus was there to say, I, I think I'm going crazy and go and check something out. My daughter, it happened when she was 19. She, we, she'd grown up in a very structured mm-hmm. household, so it really... Um, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room for her to kind of go off the rails and, and get too terribly distracted. So when she very first moved out on her own, that was the set of environmental circumstances that really allowed everything that could possibly go wrong to happen in her life. And so I think one of the things that's important for me to to communicate to coaches is that this often is something that starts in, in childhood, you know, and, and people go, oh, yeah, I remember grade school. But for others, it happens at random different times in their lives. So I don't think that we can have blanket assumptions about how this shows up or when. Yeah, and, you know, most generally these people have it all along. But sure. like you said, you grew, she grew up in a household that had a lot of structure, and that probably saved her. You know, and that kept her, you know, where she needed to be. But probably the minute that she went away to college or she got a job, you know, uh, that's when it showed up because the structure was no longer there and she didn't have the skills to put it in place for herself. Yep. And for me, I had a lot of things in place innately in my in my life, things that I did. I called myself the absent-minded professor. <laughs> I, I kept lists. I kept notes. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had a lot of tragedy that occurred in my life in 1997. See, I know that exactly. <laughs> and uh, when that happened, a lot of the things I had in place broke down. Yeah. And that's when it really manifested itself. And uh, I really started to bump into walls, as they say. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not uncommon. And it can happen at any time in a person's life. I've had people who were diagnosed in their 50s and 60s. Wow. Vince, let's take a quick commercial break and then come back. I want to talk more about some specifics of, of coaching clients with ADHD. Absolutely, folks. We will be right back. Coaching Impact Radio is brought to you by Impact Coaching Academy, offering life coach training and certification in over 20 specialty categories, life, business, couples, health and wellness, and more. Courses can be completed as self-paced study, live teleclasses, or in-person intensives. Just like our radio program, Impact Coaching Academy is by coaches for coaches. Sign up now for your free membership and receive over 30 hours of training and programming worth thousands of dollars, yours to listen to and enjoy, absolutely free. Then set your own path for growth with courses that are starting soon. Check the calendar to see the current offerings. Impact Coaching Academy. Be a part of the impact at impactcoachingacademy.com. And we're back. Teresa, I, I do want to talk about the um, ICA's 10-week 
ADHD coach training certification program because I think it is it is so relevant to a, a huge problem that so many people are facing. But before that, I want to ask you about the opportunities for coaches. So I'm hearing that you could be a coach specializing, you know, in the area of couples, marriage coaching, um, parent coaching, whatever. And then you come across a client who demonstrates some of these behaviors that would lead you to surmise, you know, this may be an issue. They may have ADHD that has either been diagnosed or not. So there's the skill set that that could then come in to support you in coaching the client. So that I see is one opportunity in terms of the taking the training. The other is, and this is something that you do, is you specialize in working with ADHD clients, don't you? Yes, I do, and I have since 1998. Uh, they're actually one of my favorite groups of people to work with. They're a lot of fun. They're they're witty. They're intelligent, usually very intelligent, although, you know, because of test scores and things uh, in their past, they may not think so, and it may be missed, but they're usually very bright people, and they're funny. I just love them. Hmm. One of the things you mentioned to me is that those are your long-standing clients. You've had clients for what? Did you say 15 years you've been working with? Yeah, I've had clients that I've I started working with from the very beginning, and um, I they still you know they go through periods of time, and um, I think I shared with you that some of them are only doing 15 minute sessions per week because all they need is accountability. Um, some of them choose to do an hour a month. Some of them choose to do 30 minutes every other week. It just depends. We design it for whatever they need. But they all, you know, usually hit a wall, you know, here and there, and then they'll um, call and schedule an appointment, and then that, that we may decide that they need three or four sessions to kind of get back on track or to learn to handle them that's causing them problems. So um, that's my goal is to be their coach for a lifetime, and they seem to be, you know, really happy about that because I, uh, they can trust me not to keep them hanging on in pain, you know, forever, not, you know, accomplishing anything. Um, but they also know they can return, and I have all of their notes, and I have all of their history, and I have everything, so we can get them back on track pretty quickly. Hey, it's Sounds it's perfect. Terry. Let me just jump in with something really quick because Teresa, uh-huh. you just said sure. something I think is so powerful, and that is is that when we we have, I mean, this is one of the whole purposes of coaching is to get ourselves kind of fired at some point. <laughs> That's really what we're shooting for. Right. And I think uh-huh. that 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 doesn't mean that we empower people so significantly that they become nine foot tall and bulletproof and they run out in the world and they never bump into a wall again. But exactly what you're talking about is is the perfection of it. It's like we we really work with clients to get them to where they're streamlining their processes, they're becoming more and more efficient with their actions and activities, and they know what the warning signs are to look for to kind of come back around and be able to say, ooh, I need a quick touch base or a quick tune-up. And I like any coaching, I think any coaching, that's exactly what we're striving for. So I just really want to acknowledge how how perfect I think that whole process you're doing is. Well, thank you. And, Absolutely. you know, it's something that we've created over the years, but I do realize that coaching is expensive, you know, and people can't just sign up for an hour a week for the rest of their lives. 
Right. You know, so um, it's it's a point of integrity for me to to not take advantage of ADHD people because they they are a little bit vulnerable because they you know they almost feel like sometimes I feel like I have to kick them out and say you know go out into the world and play and and then come back. <laughs> yeah. But but I don't really kick them out. You know, I'm always here. And uh, so they, they, and then like I said, many of them feel really comfortable with the 15 minute, which is very inexpensive, you know, 15 minutes a week, sort of accountability, just um, touching base on what they're working on and things like that. So it, yeah, it works really well. So tell us a little bit about what the coach can expect to learn in our coach training program. Well, um, in the foundational, you know, we're going to have, we will have an advanced coach training program, which will go a little bit deeper. But in the foundations, uh, foundational program, which is the first one, um, at first we will talk a lot about the nuts and bolts of ADHD, you know, an introduction. Um, we'll tell you what it is, and um, we'll talk about the executive function in more depth than we did today and what areas of their lives might be affected. We'll talk about their cognitive issues. Um, we will start them a coaching toolbox, what I like to call a toolbox, and uh, I'll uh, make suggestions for how they might keep that in order uh, so that they don't lose things that we put in there, and they'll be given some some basic tools to help streamline the activities that they're currently involved in. Um, that that would be session one. And in session two, we talk a lot about limiting beliefs because if there's a, a population of people that show up in coaching with limiting beliefs, and I think they all do, but this is definitely one because, like I said, they've had been shamed many times. They've been labeled as lazy. Um, they've been teachers have said, well, they just don't pay attention. They don't work up to their potential. You know, they, they're impulsive, they blurt things out, they're always in trouble. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Uh, for for the most, for some people, it's just as like, well, she's just dreamy. You know, she just looks out the window and daydreams all the time. We just can't get her to stay focused on her activities. And that's another way it shows up. But, but the shame that comes along with that and all of the limiting beliefs that are in that, that by now are in their heads about themselves. And it's not just about the ADD; it's about themselves. They internalize those, so we have to get those out, and we have to look at them, and we have to reframe them and restate them. And so there's a, the, the session two will be all about that. There will be tools that they'll put in their toolbox that they can use from now on because limiting beliefs don't stop coming up just because we've talked about them once or twice. You know, as, as anyone who's worked with limiting beliefs knows, um, they keep coming up. And sometimes they have limiting beliefs that piggyback on the backs of the, the other limiting beliefs. And so um, we give them lots of tools to work with those uh, both now and in the future and to help their clients with that. And then, you know, it may sound like we're, we're not really getting into ADD much here, but I believe in a, in a strong personal foundation because when you start this kind of coaching, um, chances are being ADD, you, you have a weak personal foundation. You don't exercise. You don't eat right. You know, you, you probably don't sleep right. You might stay up and get involved in a project and hyper-focus and, you know, be up until 2 in the morning. Then when the alarm goes off at 6.30 or 7, you can't get up. So we focus a lot on um, on their um, personal foundation, and that's a, a lot of agreements with themselves. I used to call them rules, 
uh, like you set a rule. For instance, one of my rules is if I take the debit card out of my wallet, I can't let go of it until it goes back in my wallet because I was, you know, leaving it in cup holders and, you know, in pockets and, and places like that, and then it would get lost. So that's an example of a rule, but nobody likes the word rule. So now I call them agreements. You make an agreement with yourself that you're going to do certain things and you're going to do it in a certain way. You're not going to deviate from that way. And that's a part of their personal foundation, believe it or not. Um, like, you know, you have a basket on the table in the entry hall. And that's where your keys go, and they go there every time. And it's an agreement with yourself that they won't leave your hand until they go into the basket. So we talk a lot about that. And then by the fourth session, we're getting more into specifics with ADHD on impulsivity. We we do a lot of work on impulsivity and distractibility because those are two um, – of the biggest problems as well as disorganization. So the next three sessions are spent on um, talking about those and, and like in impulsivity, how does that affect your social life, your family life, um, your relationships, your work, your money? How, do you, are you involved in risky behaviors? Many people, many people with ADHD, they, they do drugs. They drink too much. Maybe uh, they take people home that they meet uh, on a date, you know, on the first date and uh, engage in sexual behaviors and, and then, you know, they're putting themselves at risk. And so, again, we give them tools for that and how to manage that and talk to themselves and make agreements with themselves before they uh, get into those situations. Then we spend time on distractibility. Um, that's a lot of what's going on with these people. But, you know, what's so sad is that, that they don't – people say attention deficit disorder. It, it implies that they don't have enough attention. But the opposite is true. They have too much attention because they can't screen things out. Everything comes in, and that's the big problem here is everything comes in, and so – the, you know, the bird tweeting over here and the, the sounds of the children playing on the playground and somebody just uh, closed a, a door and, oh, isn't that breeze coming through a little chilly? All of these things register with them where a lot of us, once we're engaged in a task, especially, you know, we screen all of those out. They can't do that. And so um, we work with uh, teaching them skills first of all, to recognize it, and then to uh, ask for accommodations or put themselves in situations where the distractions are limited, and then, again, agreements with themselves. We work with mindfulness in that, in that, se- in that segment. We, just by being mindful of what's going on in your environment, then you can choose what you let in and what you don't let in. And so we do a lot of that, and again, they're left with lots of tools for their toolbox. And then we go into disorganization, which, you know, for a lot of people, this is a huge problem because out of sight is out of mind for a person with ADHD. This is why they leave everything out. They're afraid that if they don't leave the dry cleaning out on the counter, they'll forget it. And and if they don't leave the notes for tomorrow's meeting on the counter, they'll forget that. And so before you know it, then the place is such a mess that they can't find anything anyway. So we we try to learn how we can um, organize things without having our houses turn into disaster areas or our offices or our desks. Um, and I think all of us, to a certain extent, you know, struggle with that and would benefit from some of these strategies. But um, we spend quite a bit of time there. And then we move into focus, which is another huge problem. With How do you focus? How do you just 
make yourself pay attention to this or that because you know you're in a meeting and um, the president of the company is just going on and on and on and your mind is starting to wander so what do you do how do you, how do you keep that from happening and so um, there are lots of tools again that we talk about there and in every segment we do the agreements with yourself and I think it's important because if you don't agree with yourself that you're going to do this then it, they're useless the tools, you know, are just going to be sitting in your toolbox unused. And I sometimes, when people call back for a tune-up, as we call it, um, I'll say, you know, um, are your tools rusty? <laughs> we need to get that toolbox out and clean up some of those tools. And they know what I'm talking about because they haven't been using their tools. And so then but we Teresa, talk about huh? I just wanted to say it sounds like, you know, in the foundational training Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much, uh, so much strategy and tools that you're providing the the coaches so that they can work with their ADHD yes. clients. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of trying to wrap my head around what's the advanced training going to look like. You know, <laughs> I, know huh? I know we don't have time. To talk, <laughs> we don't have time well, to talk about today. Yeah. Well, but, I just, you know, just to be a short answer for that, Frankie would be that the advanced training would go. I just in the in this uh, foundational program, I just want to equip coaches to deal with any ADH person who walks in the door. And mm-hmm. the advanced training, then I want to equip coaches to uh, talk, you know, in their marriages, in their work environment, um, in their social life. Maybe they're having trouble with friends. You know, just more specific areas that we focus, you know, a lot on that. In this first foundational program, we'll touch on it, but we won't have time to go into each one of those areas in depth. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the end of the training, the certified ADHD coach is well qualified to work with this segment. Yes, I think they will be, and they will have a lot. It won't they won't be left alone, you know, just with the knowledge in their heads. They they will have tools in their toolbox that they can then pass along to their clients. Terrific, Terry. Any final questions? No, I just am really struck by how cross applicable. It, it's sort of like there's you know the foundations training, uh, of which of course I'm a fan. There, <laughs> there's the foundations mm-hmm. training. I think that all coaches need, and that's basic skills. But um, is in our modern world with so many different entities competing for our attention, with billions of dollars of intent and mastery behind them to get our attention, I can just see how this training would be applicable not only with the specific demographic of the ADHD community, but, I mean, how can you not benefit from this? That's what strikes me. Yeah, you're so right. It's so universal. And, I, you know, I'll ask the same question. Is there any final thought, Teresa, that you would want to really end with to kind of put a punctuation mark on our conversation today? Well, since this program will be um, heard mostly by coaches, I would just like to say that I don't think that there's I, – I, I've really tried to think of all of the different specialties. I can't think of one that wouldn't benefit from this training in addition to their uh, other coach training because they will have ADHD clients. It's oh, not yeah. – it's, it's, there's no question. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Frankie, anything from you? 
No, I think it's um, it's a fabulous program. It really serves uh, a tremendous need. And I really appreciate you being here today, Teresa, and taking the time and, and sharing this information with us. It's been really enlightening. Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Frankie. It's, it's something I love to talk about. And with that, we'll wrap it up for the day. Thank you for joining us. Next week, successful coaching means not just speaking one-on-one, but often presenting to groups. That's right, the dreaded public speaking. Join us and get the tools to be a master presenter. Coaching Impact Radio is brought to you by Impact Coaching Academy. Experience ICA with over 30 hours of complimentary materials, then chart your own specific training plan at impactcoachingacademy.com. And of course, join us and access the growing archive of programs at coachingimpactradio.com. Join us next week, same time and place as we continue the coaching conversation. I'm Vince Hayes. Bye-bye, everyone.